0: Today on Study Verse by Verse, Pastor Leighton Sheely will continue to take us through the New Testament book of Colossians and talk about the concerns that Paul had for the believers there and the remedies he suggested. And
1: so the church would get together every Sunday, they would recite the creeds. They would memorize the creeds that summarized what the Bible taught. Why? So if they were out somewhere and they heard a teacher that said
0: something that contradicted the creed, they knew that was a false teacher. You may be part of a church that recites creeds regularly. Personally, I find that very helpful. Welcome again to our broadcast. Pastor Layton Sheely is the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. They're on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. And Pastor Layton continues in the book of Colossians.
1: Therefore as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. Now the word received there... Paul borrowed from uh, Judaism, and in Judaism the word was used to describe the transmitting and safeguarding of teachings and traditions from one person or generation to the next. But in this context, Paul means more than just the teaching and traditions related to Christ. He's talking about Christ himself. To receive Christ is not only a matter of believing what is said about him, it involves receiving him. And because Christ dwells within believers through the Holy Spirit, they should walk, that is, conduct their lives in alignment with the indwelling Christ. Walk refers to the patterns of life, our behavior, that our behavior should be appropriate to our claim of being Christians. It's in the continuous action. So what it's saying is continue to live, that our receiving Christ should affect our daily living. Verse 7, "...rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving." So in this verse, the Apostle Paul lists four characteristics of what it means to walk in the Lord. He uses several metaphors, and each metaphor describes a facet of Christian living. First off, the Christians are to be rooted in Christ. Now just as a plant draws its strength, its stability, and its nourishment from the soil through the roots, so also believers should draw life-giving strength and stability from Christ. And the more we are planted in, rooted in Christ, the less likely we're going to be fooled by those who claim falsely to have life's answers. Amen. Having been rooted. We're to be rooted. We're not to be tumbleweeds. You've seen tumbleweeds. You go down the freeway and they've they got no roots and they're just blown about by every wind of doctrine. That shouldn't be true of us. We needed to get rooted and stay rooted. Amen. Strong, deep roots give strength and stability and then secondly he says that we're to be built up and it's in the present continuous tense meaning it's a continuing action now the word built up is an architectural term describing the growth of a building so after we have been established on the foundation we have been rooted then we are to continue to grow in grace christians are supposed to grow we are supposed to grow and if we're not growing, then we need to find out what's impeding our growth. And then third, Colossians are to be strengthened or established in their faith. It describes a binding contract. And we can be strengthened either by our faith or in respect to our faith. And actually, both are true because as we are strengthened in the faith, our faith strengthens us. I'll say it again. As we are strengthened in the faith, our faith strengthens us. It's reciprocal. It's reciprocal. So Paul wanted the Colossians to be rooted, built up, and established in the Christian faith in order to stand firmly against any false teaching. Satan has a real difficult time trying to deceive a believer who is into the word of God. Now, these first three descriptions are in the passive voice indicating that God is the primary it. He's the one who's rooting us and building us up and strengthening us, but the last one is in the active voice, and it's talking about abounding with thankfulness. Now, when we stop and we think and we meditate and we reflect on what God has done for us through Christ, our Savior and Lord, thankfulness should be the result. And the longer we think about it and the more we think about it, the more thankful We get. In fact, we should be thinking about it so much that we are abounding in thankfulness. John Corson wrote The church is truly an enigma, for we're the only people in the world who get together regularly to acknowledge that we're a bunch of sinners, all the while feeling wonderful about it, because we recognize we're sinners saved by a wonderful Savior. We leave abounding with thanksgiving. Abounding with thanksgiving. Abounding is used to describe a river that is overflowing its banks. The riverbed can't contain the river, it overflows its banks. Our thanksgiving should be abundant, overflowing the banks. We can't contain the thanksgiving that wells up within us. A thankful spirit is one of the marks of maturity in a Christian. Verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So it says see to it, that's an alert, this is something dangerous, you need to pay attention here. And this verse has sometimes been misused to suggest that Paul was teaching that Christians should not study or read philosophy. And that's not what Paul's meaning was at all. In fact, Paul himself was a very adept philosopher, and we know that because of the record in Acts, particularly in Acts chapter 17, where Paul is interacting with the philosophers of his day. And he's able to speak their language and and use their arguments and so forth. So so Paul's not arguing against knowing philosophy. What he's warning believers to do is to not be taken in by any philosophy that does not conform to the knowledge of Christ. And false teachers have a tendency to mix Christianity, so it sounds good, with false philosophies. And so we need to be attentive to that. We need to see to it that we are not taken captive. Taken captive. The word there means to kidnap to capture, to take away. It's often used to describe a defeated army, that we're taking away captives. We need to be aware so we're not taken away, we're not taken captive. False teachers can be very, very seductive in the way they draw us in. You know, over the decades, I've been in ministry now almost uh, 40 years, and, and I've watched from time to time when, when people, Christians, are seduced into cults. And there have been times when I've been able to sit down and talk with them and reason with them and help them figure out, wait a minute, the dots don't connect. I have been on the wrong path here. But there have also been occasions when it doesn't matter how hard I try, they are so thoroughly confused in their thinking processes, they can't connect the dots or disconnect dots that shouldn't have been connected. They have been taken captive. How is it that people can be taken captive? Well, people who are ignorant of God's Word are easily taken captive. They become fascinated by some thought, some philosophy, and and they're drawn away. And that's why it's so important that we know God's Word. And that's one of the reasons why when we gather Sunday after Sunday, it centers upon God's Word, studying God's Word. Now, we as a church, we appreciate the need for outreach and we are very active in outreach. That's why we send teams over to the Philippines and over to Borneo and, and over to Africa. And why we do things like the car show. So that we can build relationships with our neighbors. So that when God starts to stir within them and they realize, I need God, I need to find a church, they're going to think of us and come to us so we can tell them and bring them to Jesus. And, and why we do Scrooge, which you know is an opportunity to invite family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, And throughout the message of Scrooge is the gospel and so forth so we believe in outreach and we're active in outreach and we believe that it's important for us to fellowship together to get to know each other to become part of each other's lives to be there in times of need and help support each other and minister to each other that's why we have the growth groups and the classes and the church picnic it's going to happen in a few weeks make sure to put it on your calendar get out there and meet some people from the church make some new friends we believe in all of these things but We focus upon the Word of God because we want to know the Word of God. We want to get into the Word of God and we want the Word of God to get into us. You know, we are blessed people because in our generation, in our place, most of us are literate, most of us can read and we live in a free nation where we can readily get a hold of the Bible. We can read it and we can get a hold of it. You know, that's not been true through much of history. For centuries, most Christians were not literate. They couldn't read. Which is why there has been such a dependence upon the pastor, the preacher, the teacher, the priest in order to open the Word, read it, and explain what it means because most Christians couldn't read for themselves and they couldn't get their hands on the Word of God to read it for themselves. And by the way, that's the background to why the church, the early church, had creeds. The church fathers would get together when there's some heresies, they would found out. They'd, they'd get into the Bible, they'd find out what the Bible had to say about whatever the subject was. And they would, put, they would put a description of what the Bible teaches into words that were memorable. And so the church would get together every Sunday, they would recite the creeds, they would memorize the creeds that summarized what the Bible taught. Why? So if they were out somewhere and they heard a teacher that said something that contradicted the creed, they knew that was a false teacher. And I think there's a benefit to us, even in this generation, to go back and memorize some of those early church creeds. I think it would be beneficial to us. We also need to get into God's Word and let God's Word get into us. Now Paul was also critical about the heresy because it was based on human tradition. The word tradition describes something which is handed down. And then the important thing about tradition is where does it come from? Does it come from God or does it come from man? Because there were traditions that religious leaders had in the times of Jesus that didn't come from God. And they were so zealous for these traditions that when Jesus came in fulfillment of God's promise, they didn't recognize Him. Because they placed their traditions as being more important than God's Word. We must never allow our traditions to be greater than God's Word. There's a place for
0: traditions, but they should never displace God's Word. So much to think about and study further. Very practical teaching from Pastor Leighton Sheely. He's the senior minister at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. This is a daily visit. If you're new to this broadcast, welcome. We're on the web at highlands.us. That's the church's website. This particular broadcast outreach can be found on the web at studyversebyverse.com. You can listen to past broadcasts there and join with us as a financial partner, or at least let us know that you listen to the program. That's studyversebyverse.com. I'm Mike Trout. I encourage you to check out the church's website at highlands.us and look into all of the activities during the upcoming month. That's highlands.us. I know you will be blessed. Have a great rest of your day. And join us tomorrow at this same time when Pastor Layton will once again open the Word of God to the book of Colossians and help us study verse by verse.